And you can only imagine how rough and intense it was. When we got married, I oftentimes tell this, for probably the first 12 or so years of our marriage, ministry was still ingrained as number one in my life. So I have had to, over the years of marriage, to really make this shift that, no, my wife comes first. Family comes first. Because that's our first ministry to God. Glad to have you along on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to get together with area ministries, all kinds of different people that come in and share their heart and vision for what God is doing ministry-wise. It's just really a blessing for me personally to get to expose what God is up to. I mean, it's just incredible things that's happening. Dr. Bartholomew Orr is a senior pastor of Brown Missionary Baptist Church. He's been in that position since January of 1989. 29 years. 29 years. 29 years, three months, and uh, how many days? <laughs> how many who's, who's counting? <laughs> well, and I told you last time, which was recently we were together, that you only look 29 years <laughs> old, you know? But you were about, what, 19? 19 years old when I came there. So 19 and a half. I, my birthday is in June, so I turned 20 that year. So June what? 25th. Okay. June 25th. 12.09 a.m. If you just want to know the <laughs> exact time. Well, I asked because I have a son that's born in June also, June 8th. So okay. I was just kind of curious. So Yes. He's going to be big 30 this year. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like he's kind of dreading it. You know, it's, once you get past that, is it downhill from there? <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, next year I'll celebrate 30 years as pastor. And I'll be turning 50 years old. I've already told the church, okay, if the Lord say the same and keep me around here, I want something big. (laughs) Something big. Something big. I see. Well, you know, you pastor the largest congregation of any denomination in DeSoto County. Did you know that? I did not know that. I mean, more than 7,000 members on two campuses. That's pretty accurate, isn't it? Membership-wise, the Baptist membership number probably would be about 11,000, but we see about 4,500, 5,000 on a weekend. And I know it's not about size and numbers. I mean, God gives the increase. Keeping that perspective keeps us humble, too. And for Brown, when I came there, it was 66 people that elected me pastor of Brown. All 66 didn't vote for me, but uh, but I didn't ask them to tell me which ones was which. <laughs> but from 66 to where we are today, and I believe that it's so important that churches understand, because I tell this to Brown all the time, we have won the quote-quote numbers game. But our biggest deficit now is discipleship. How do we grow people spiritually? Oftentimes we lose sight. We're trying to grow the numbers, but we don't realize it's all about spiritual growth and the health of the individual. And that's where we look at the depth of yes. how deep we are. Right. Yeah. Green eyes will keep you from green pastures and green pockets. Oh. <laughs> I heard you say that preaching in a police uniform. Oh, on a video goodness. I watched online. Oh, wow. Wow. And I had to write that down because I thought, that's pretty good. Green eyes will keep you from green pastures and green pockets. Okay. I like that. I'm glad the Lord gave it to me at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a quote you made up on the run? Probably so on the go. But hey, jealousy and envy messes people up. That's something as humans we all deal with, Pastor, constantly having to keep that in check. So Who's true. got something more than we do? Who might look better than we do? Right. So it's something that even as Christians, we have to really watch out for, don't we? We have to be reminded that what God has for us, it is for us. Instead of just comparing ourselves, instead of being in competition, it's about really acceptance. And it's about realizing that, hey, God has blessed me. God has blessed the next person. 
And we need to just appreciate all of the blessings of God. Two, going back to we are the body of Christ. And for some reason, God might allow some members of the body to have maybe a little bit more. But that doesn't mean they should be haughty. They should be responsible givers to, and To whom servants. much is given, much is required. Exactly. we got to keep that in perspective totally. Well, as I mentioned, you preached that sermon in a, was it a Memphis police uniform? Probably so. I, I'm kind of known as an object preacher, and um, <laughs> I oftentimes tease folks because if I go too long without pulling out something, my members will come up and give me something and say, hey, can you preach this or can you put this in a sermon? So what was the significance of having that police uniform on? Do you remember? You know what? I think that was about just talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit arrests us and bring us into submission and conviction. I believe that's the one that you know, I was talking about. Wow, Pastor, that just made me think of something in relation to our relationship to the Holy Spirit, because I can become desensitized to his voice. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I ignore something that he's saying to me consistently, finally, it kind of gets more quiet. You don't hear it as much. Well, you know, the Bible talks about don't quench the spirit. And I believe that's what that is referring to, the fact that when he speaks to us, we're always to yield and say yes, because if we don't, our conscience literally can become seared. Read in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8 now. And most believers, depending on what denomination, you know, the emphasis is all on the Holy Spirit or we don't talk about the Holy Spirit at all. And yet there ought to be some balance as to, to the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the individual. Well, didn't Jesus say before he left the earth that he would give the comforter, he would lead us in truth and guide us? And guide us into all truth. And so we all need the Holy Spirit because when God saved us and changed us, when he regenerated us from the inside out, one thing he did, he left us in the midst of these sinful bodies. So we still have this fleshly body that we're carrying around. And Paul said there is a constant war. There is a struggle going on. I want to do the right thing, but I find myself doing the opposite. And I like the way that he ends Romans chapter 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death that I'm, that I'm a part of? And yet the answer, he says, is Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit lived out in the life of the individual. Another part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is sealing us, our relationship with God, until the day of redemption, when we actually get to go home you know, yes. forever. And so that's an important part. Hey, he is that earnest deposit, as the Bible would say. Something else you said was, put off some things, make no provision for the flesh. And I know that is a constant thing that we have to guard. Guard our hearts and make sure we don't make provision for the flesh. The struggle is so real. We talk about a weak flesh, and yet it is the weakness of the flesh that oftentimes war against the spirit. And so how in the world do we do it? Well, I believe there are some personal responsibilities that each one of us have. The Holy Spirit, as he lead and guide us, there are some places he says, don't even go. Uh, there are some roads, the Bible says, you know, it's almost like Proverbs chapter 4, where he says, avoid it. Don't go by it, pass by it, go a totally different way, because there are some things that we can do to help starve the flesh so that the flesh won't have the power and the control. I know the word says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh, even as we've been redeemed, it still has these lusts and desires. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so, so important to keep yielding ourselves 
to the Holy Spirit, the things that we listen to, the things that we look at with our eyes, what what we even talk about within the visuals, all are avenues where if we're not careful, they give inroads for the devil to get into our lives. It's like what Paul said in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. Well, Dr. Ward, you feel that we can give so much place to the devil and keep doing that, that we can actually lose or fall out of our relationship with the Lord? Now, one thing that I believe is eternal security. So we never lose our salvation, but we very well can lose that fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many individuals are, as Paul says in in Corinthians, carnal Christians because of the fact that they are given in to the flesh more than they're given in to the Holy Spirit. And if you look at that word in Corinthians, I mean, some of the things those folks were doing was really bad. There's some pretty bad things, and, and you have that in the body of Christ that people, you know, it's always so important, one, to make sure that I'm saved, to make sure that I'm not doing these things in the flesh because I'm just lost. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because if you're not saved, The Bible says that in hell, we'll lift up our eyes. So we need to make sure that there has been a time in my life where in repentance, I turned away from my sins. I have this change of heart, this change of mind. And in faith, Acts 20, verse 20 and 21, that I turned to God to really to make him. And here's the key, the Lord and master of our lives. I think that is what separates saint from sinner. Who's the master? Who's in charge? When we truly make Jesus the master and the Lord of our lives, the Holy Spirit began to change our appetite. So the things that we have even desired and wanted to, now we really want to desire Jesus. We want to please him. We want to serve him. We want to make him the number one goal in our lives. That is so good. and It's good to be reminded of that, too, because it's so easy just to go to church, do the activities, and then really miss that relationship that he desires. Well, think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He says, many will say to me, and I always tell folks, now when when a Baptist preacher says many, he's probably exaggerating. When Jesus says many, (laughs) it's serious business. He says, many will say to me in that day, did we not preach in your name? Did we not work miracles in your name? We did a lot of good things in your name. And yet he's going to say, depart from me. And here it is. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. you. The fact that you were living this life of sinfulness in the midst of all of this goodness, the big reason is they didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There had not been regeneration with Jesus Christ. I was listening to Chuck Swindoll this morning. Oh, my goodness. He was talking about the difference between religion and regeneration. And a lot of folks in our churches have religion because they are religious about serving the Lord, but they haven't had that regeneration, that new birth from the inside. In the process of that, Pastor, it seems like some people have got such strong roots of bitterness in their life that they haven't dealt with or been willing to do. And, you know, apart from Christ, we really can't forgive. So, I mean, even if we're holding on to things that we can't forgive, maybe the way a parent treated us in the past, and who's mm-hmm. now past maybe, or maybe the way we're not getting treated right at work, or whatever the bitterness or the hate is, and we kind of let that just build a wall around us, and yet the only one that can really take that down is Jesus. You know, so true. If we come to him first because he can help us 
forgive because we learn to find forgiveness in him. And then we're able to learn, as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit teaches us how we can forgive others. Well, his prayer, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned and trespassed against us. Later on in what I call the addendum to his prayer, Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, your heavenly father won't forgive you. Well, that's powerful. It is. It's easy for us to see what others have done to us and against us and to harbor that. But a person like that, unforgiveness really says that person have not seen themselves and what they have done to God because God looked beyond their faults. You know, we talk about seeing about amazing grace. You know, he loved us in while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And so if God could show us that kind of love through the death of Jesus Christ, his son, while we were yet sinners in the midst of our sinfulness, that's the reason why the Bible says, you know what? As we have been reconciled, God has called us now to the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. That is powerful. And that's really our purpose and our mission here in this life is to be reconcilers, bringing other people into a relationship like we have. Reading through Romans, I tell you, it's, it's a heavy read because it's all about these doctrines and all about these laws and, and all of these things. But when it all boils down, I love the way Paul is going to say in Romans 13, the whole law is summed up in pretty much one word, love. Now, Jesus took all of the law and Jesus says all of the law and the prophet is hanging on these two. Love God, love others, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul says, hey, it's all about love. It's all about love. You know, if we could actually implement that, if every human being pastor could implement that in this life, then we could close down all of our prisons. I mean, it would be incredible. It would have to be regeneration by Christ. That's the only way it could happen. But imagine. Love is a powerful thing. It is. And God is love. He's the epitome of it all. So much so, you have been married to Valerie now for... This coming August would be 28 years. So I actually started pastoring the church before I got married. She had no idea what she was getting herself into. Well, <laughs> no. well, unfortunately, since I was already pastoring, you know, <laughs> know. Uh, she, she knew what she was getting. <laughs> she knew. But it has been a wonderful journey. We have four sons, two daughter-in-laws, four grandchildren. So we're we're now working on the grandchildren phase. And that is the best part of life. Oh, my goodness. Our last uh, son graduated high school a couple of years ago, and so he's in his sophomore year in Boston, Massachusetts. Another son is finishing up in Washington. I watch you in St. Louis, Missouri. And so we are technically empty nesters. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, as you mentioned, 28 years? 28 years 28 of years. marriage. And that's a long time to be married my wife and I will be celebrating 30, hold on a second now, 34 years. Okay. 34 years. Congratulations. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. All right. <laughs> so we'll have to have Mexican dinner that That's night. right. That's but right. How have you and Valerie kept together? Because whether you're a pastor or you're whatever, you still deal with life. There well, are the highs and lows. Yes. And, and ministry only complicates. It intensifies it. Yeah. Hey, things greatly. Yeah. But I, I appreciate Valerie for just being a woman of God, a praying woman. And she really is that foundation. She kind of helps bring me back to center to where I need to be. 
I don't believe that I would have had. And if you call it, quote, quote, ministry success, uh, whatever that means, I couldn't have had that without Valerie. I mean, she has really been that Proverbs 31, that virtuous wife that really brings that calmness to the family. And you can only imagine how rough and intense it was. When we got married, I'll oftentimes tell this, for probably the first 12 or so years of our marriage, ministry was still ingrained as number one in my life. So I have had to, over the years of marriage, to really make this shift that, no, my wife comes first. Family comes first. Because that's our first ministry to God. Was she in the congregation when you were new pastor there? No. She wasn't at your church. She wasn't at Brown. We we actually met at college. Did you? And so both of us attended Christian Brothers. She was a student ambassador. And so she had to be nice to the incoming freshmen. And, of course, I was that incoming freshman (laughs) coming in. I like to... Think of it as love at first sight. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, when you talk about your children, of course, grandkids now, but what makes you proud? What makes you proudest about them when you look at their lives and think about them? You know, so my two oldest sons are both church musicians. And matter of fact, they are in ministry with me. So my son, Bart Bartholomew II, he's our musical director I think that's a technical name, a musical director at the church. But he also uh, does a lot of playing for artists around the, the country and gospel artists and things of that nature. So God has given him a very successful career as a uh, church musician. He For years he was drumming, but now he does keys and, and does a whole lot of stuff. So it, it's good. You know, it's kind of interesting. This past Sunday was a takeover. Because on Instagram and on social media, he has more followers than I do. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we need to capitalize on his fame. And, <laughs> and so, look, look, we need to get more followers out there so that we can be getting the gospel <laughs> of Jesus Christ out. So it, it's, it's wonderful to kind of just see the success. Bates, the same way, very talented musician plays for our church and then plays for some other churches as well. So it's good to see our guys growing up. Dr. Margaret Sather at Christian Brothers, she told me, she said, Bart, follow your heart. I was wanting to be a electrical engineer because I thought they make money. I want some money. So let me do something that will yeah. you know, at least make yeah. me some money in right. life. Right. And her thing was, no, you follow your heart. Follow that passion, what you really love to do. And the rest will come. That was some of the best advice that I got while I was in school. Well, it's good to be able to see our sons grow up and they have a passion and for them to be able to follow their passion. Yes. And God provide. It isn't a great too as parents to be able to support that and pray for that. I was doing an interview the other day with Roma Downey, you know, an actress Mm -hmm. uh, played an angel and touched by an angel on CBS. She's written a new book and in her book, she talks about how her dad would blow wind into her wings. That's how she described it. Yeah. And such a great picture of what parents are to do. So often we might have failed at something. We had a desire to be somebody in life. And we try to live our life through our kids. But you're right. Our children have their own unique gifts and talents. Yes. And we need to just be the wind in that to encourage that. Uh, Dr. Bob Pittman, I've done some mission trips with him, and we've gone to Africa several times together. He said that he prayed for his sons 
to be business leaders and they turned out to be preachers. And I tease him. I said, well, that's what I've done wrong. I've been praying for my son to be preachers <laughs> and they've turned out everything but preachers. <laughs> but they're in their zone. They're in their zone. They're serving the Lord. It's just wonderful to see God working in their life. You talk about these grandkids, and as a grandpa myself, I have two granddaughters, and there's nothing more exciting or makes me more proud than these two young ladies. When you think about legacy, you think about future generations of oars, what kind of legacy do you hope you'll leave? First and foremost, a legacy of faith. A legacy of faith. I mean, you know, the only thing we can take to heaven, someone has rightly said, is somebody else. And so making sure that my son's, and my grandchildren, that they know the Lord, that they have given their heart to Jesus Christ, and that one day we'll live forever with him in glory. It's wonderful. I have three grandsons, one granddaughter. All three of the little boys, and uh, they're four, two, and one. Well, you know, they're already trying to preach. <laughs> and so the oldest, Bartholomew the third, we call him Trey. Uh, he'll have his microphone. He'll have his handkerchief wiping the sweat from his face. And, you know, he's already calling himself <laughs> Pastor Bartholomew or the third. So if I can just leave a legacy of faith. Yes. That says you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and that he's Lord and Savior of your life. That's the most important thing. You reminded me of a story. I was interviewing Dr. Alveda King a few years ago, and she was talking about her dad, A.D. King, was the brother of Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And she said when A.D. and Martin were just little boys at home, their father was a pastor right. and a preacher, and they mm -hmm. would mimic him. Yeah. You know, sometimes they would get excited. Mrs. King would say, boy, settle down. and But the dad would say, let him alone, honey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let him alone. Let them do what they're enjoying doing. But that brings me into the conversation now about Dr. King's life. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some values and life lessons do you cherish from him, Dr. King? And, of course, Dr. King, he was assassinated even before I was born. So I, I did not get a chance to live in that era. Interestingly, my parents came up and my dad even did some marches and things of that nature. I think it's so important, one, to just look at this man driven by his faith. At the end of the day, he was a Baptist preacher. Regardless of everything else that he did, I hope people won't separate him from his faith because I believe it was his faith that drove everything else. It was his faith that taught him a love for God and a love for others. And because of that love, he could love even his enemies. He said that not only do the oppressed need that love and forgiveness, but even the oppressor. So God is calling us to give that love and that forgiveness and not to harbor that hatred. And like you mentioned earlier, that bitterness. And so here it is. You have a man of God, a man of faith who takes the principles of the word of God and use it to impact his surrounding in the culture of the day in the culture of today to make a positive difference in the world. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 11 talks about the blessings of the upright and how the city is exalted because of the blessings of the upright. We have been called to influence positively our community and the culture around us. 
Dr. King did it. I'm preaching through the book of Hebrews chapter 11, talking about faith. What I love about Joseph, Joseph, the Bible says Joseph had faith and he told them, when y'all get out of here, take my bones with you. Now, here's somebody who told his brothers, I'm going to take care of you, do what God have called me to do. But you know what? I won't get you all out of here, but I believe that you're going to get out of here one day. It's wonderful when somebody can work for a change that they won't even enjoy. Yes. And that's what Dr. King did. Something else I was wondering, Pastor, or if you had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. King, what kind of questions would you ask him? Oh, my goodness. Wow. And that's an interesting one. Um, first of all, you know, I think is that that age old question that everybody has asked, if you could do it over again, what would you change? What would you change? In retrospect, are there any areas that you will do differently or any decisions that you will make? Because I think a lot of times as we get older, it's some of those things that, okay, Looking back, I would do this different. I would do that different. That can teach the next generation so much more, you know. It's not so to, true. Not to make the same mistakes that I made early on. And if you do this, this can be some of the benefit of all of that. Well, also, we don't want to leave today without mentioning the Contending for the Faith Expository Preaching and Teaching Conference. It's coming to Brown Church April 27th and 28th. I was just looking over again the schedule. I mean, there's like four sessions, three on Friday, one on Saturday. These are like incredible. I mean, we're looking at the theology and practice of text-driven preaching, running to the roar, so you want to start a church, helpful holy hints for pastors and ministers' wives, exegesis, how to study the Bible for preaching, how to memorize the Bible, biblical men learning in a spiritual war with no more excuses. I mean, biblical women doing the same thing. This, this is you incredible. Know, this is something that is, is open to everyone. It's free. This is an opportunity to really come and to take your spirituality and your faith to a whole nother level. And I appreciate the fact that Dr. Steve Gaines will be preaching. Dr. Jerry Young will be preaching as well. So two of the presidents of the National Baptist and Southern Baptist Convention will be there sharing with us. This will be a wonderful opportunity. And then Marcus Laughlin is doing the Bible memory, right. which I think he can pretty much quote the yes. entire book of yes. Revelation. Yes. Maybe more. Yes. And he'll be doing a session also. He'll, he'll be as well. So there's no cost to it. Really, now's the time to go ahead and register. Go ahead online. Get online and register so that we can kind of prepare. Because food's sure. provided, too. Yes. Yeah, yes. there will be a couple of meals, I believe. Yes. And that's coming up April 27th, 28th. Go to the website, brownbaptist.org. Right. And, sign and you up. can see that contending for the faith icon. Well, Dr. Orr, it looks like our time slipped away. I had a whole lot more questions I wanted to talk about. But, hey, you're going to be coming back. We've got yes. scheduled for another interview. That's correct. So I'll just save those. That's right. We'll have even more conversation right. to talk about. Well, I appreciate about. this, Byron. Thank you okay. so much, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for what you do for Christ's kingdom. We'll say goodbye on that. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Friends, thanks for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 